All right, everybody, what's happening? Mark Terrell, the Hippolytician. Another Thursday with you for the next few minutes. Got a great show. Let's talk a little bit religion, humanism, hip-hop, and how that all intertwines. Got a great show for you guys. Uh, we got a, I was going to say genius, but pretty close to a genius. I mean, this this gentleman is very, very interesting. I'm so glad to have him tonight. Um, and and uh, we're going to show you where you can uh, check him out, read uh, you know his work, and uh, just know he is a Harvard grad. All of you guys know that it's a school that I wanted to go to so bad. But anyway, that's a whole other story. You know, some get in and some don't. So, but anyway, if uh, you want to join the conversation tonight, don't forget, get inside the chat room, make it happen. All you have to do is register at the blog talk site. You'll be able to interact in the chat room. I'm getting ready to open that thing up because I'm a little behind the eight ball and missed it tonight. Um, you can also call if you want, um, 805-292-0337. That's 805-292-0337. Our guest tonight is um, Professor Anthony B. Penn, and um, he's here, and, and um, he's a professor over at Rice University. Um, but like I said, Harvard grad and uh, doing big, big things and going to have a very, very interesting conversation. Um, as, I, as I read up on him, I was, um, I mean, a million questions started going through my mind and I knew it was like, okay, I'm not going to have enough time because really I'd like to talk to him for four hours, but I only have 30 minutes. So we're going to make the best of it tonight. Again, if you want to join the conversation, 805-292-0337 or jump in the chat room. But what I'm going to do is, get this party started very, very quickly and bring him on. Professor, how are you? Welcome to Hit Politics. Hey, I'm doing well. Good to be with you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. So listen, I want to get right into things. I, you know what? Read in your bio, go into your website, and, and we're going to promote your website and, and let everybody know. But, but reading everything that's out there is, I mean, I, I'm sure people have told you, it's just, I mean, there's so many questions that, that, that jump out at you. And one of, the, one of the biggest things that jumped out at me was your take on how, the, the, how religion basically perpetuates the African-American suffering. I, I, and, and I said victimization to a certain extent, but I don't, I don't believe that's actually true. But from, from your perspective, let's first off, let's break down, because I don't think a lot of people are, are, are familiar with humanism. And, and, and what that humanist thought uh, process is. So can, can you break that down first, and then I want to talk about specifically how that religion and how that equates to African Americans. Sure. Well, let, let's, let, let's take it back. Humanism okay. is an old tradition within African American communities. It dates back to the period of slavery. And it is simply a way of moving through the world. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of behaving that is based upon what we can know through the senses and what we can do based upon human power. It gives no attention to gods or God, wrestles with the context of life being human history, and does the best it can do to make a difference in the world, knowing that we struggle without any sort of divine. So how do it's we... It's old, old, old form of practice. So we're, how did how did African Americans really get away from from this practice? Because right now, I would say there are more African Americans that are closer to the traditional um, uh, uh, religious sort of doctrine 
that, uh, you know, the, the church and there's a God that controls everything that's going on. But I, I'd say the humanist view says different, like God is not interacting. There's not a being that's interacting in our everyday life. It's certainly not a God that loves us, right, because black people have been catching hell for centuries. So the idea that there's a God who is loving, kind, just, and compassionate and concerned about black folks is inconsistent with the condition and the experience of black folks. That being said, humanism has never been the dominant mode of thinking within black communities, always present, but always marginal. But it has some key figures, James Foreman during the Civil Rights Movement, A. Philip Randolph, Richard Wright, Nella Larson, Lorraine Hansberry. The list goes on and on of prominent black folks who did not buy the idea of a God. Even W.E.B. Du Bois, folks get confused because he wrote about black churches and assumed he embraced them. But he says very early on that he lost any connection to traditional black Christianity. He was on some level an agnostic, on other levels a humanist. So there's always been this presence. And if you think about the past 20 years, the growth within black communities of folks who claim no particular religious affiliation, the nons, right, N-O-N-E-S, mm-hmm. this is a growing population within black communities. But there is a political and cultural downside, right, that humanists and atheists in the United States represent a despised population. So for African Americans to claim that philosophy puts them at double jeopardy. They are part of a community that is despised because of their look, and on top of that, despised because of their viewpoint. That's a tough one. So it's very, very, very tough. Yeah, man. My attitude is there are more. African American humanists than the ones who are vocal. They hide out in churches. Let let me tell you why I say that. After the civil rights movement, black churches declined in terms of numbers. Christian churches in general in the United States declined in terms of membership post civil rights struggle. Black churches declined. The numbers don't begin to pick up until the eighties when black folks who played by the rules gone to the right schools, moved to the right neighborhoods, still recognize that rights matters and they've hit that race matters and they've hit the glass ceiling, turn to black churches for social connections, cultural connections. Yeah? But it doesn't mean they were buying what the preacher taught. Churches provided them with outlets, networks, and if listening to the God driven sermons of the preacher was the price they had to pay, it was the price they paid for greater communal connection. So you've got humanists, black humanists, who are hiding out in black churches. So so basically, I mean, so a couple things that you said that jump out at me. One, you're saying there's, there's, there's really not the, you've got a bunch of people in, at, in church that are more concerned about upward mobility, in essence. Um, two, we're saying that so, so tell me, are you are are, are black humanists saying that? Um, how, how does the religious connection come into play? Is is there any such thing as a a religious experience, a religious connection, a, a connection with 
a divine being or a superior being that, um, you know, does have some sort of control over our lives or that we should be trying to live a, a moral life? Or does all that and just go attitude, out the window? It goes out the window, man. My attitude as a humanist is this. There is no divine being. It's just us. And we have to rely on our own imagination, creativity, and ability to try to get things done because it's just us. So what would and be the theism, difference between you being a humanist and, and an atheist? Well, both believe, argue that there is no God. But atheists, by very definition, mm-hmm. is simply telling you what they don't believe. I'm an atheist. I don't believe there uh-huh. is a God. Uh-huh. Humanism is a more positive category from my perspective. It gives you a mm-hmm. sense of what I do embrace, what I do celebrate, what I hold as dear. So it privileges so, uh, the positive rather than the negative. So tell, so tell me this, Professor. If, if, you, if, if you took this, let, let, let's, let's move into hip-hop just a little bit, right? So yeah. in, the, mm-hmm. in, the, in the late 70s and the 80s, you know how you had the influx of, of the five percenters and, 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 you know, with, right. with blue nations, five percenters of the gods of the earth, so on and so forth, right? So uh-huh. these cats... To a certain extent, I think they, you know, they would agree that, hey, there is no, um, they would agree that, hey, we're all gods, so to speak. Right. Are, 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 are they wrong in, in, in that thought process as well? And I, and I say wrong for lack of a better word. You understand the context in which I mean it. Does that yeah. align with what the, the humanist thought says as well, and, and where does it diverge? Well, there's a, there's a difference in that. Humanists would argue that five percenters are misnaming humans, right, misnaming, that the notion of God, that category no longer functions well, and that what five percenters are actually saying is humans have agency, that humans determine the quality and the pitfalls of life, that we are in charge of our destiny. Right? Like the poem says, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Humanists would argue this, in essence, is what the five percenter is saying. They're just using inadequate language, God language. So what place does, what place does religion, I mean, is, is religion, is, I would assume you just say religion is just a, a means of social control, Correct. No, man, because you've you got to understand how I define religion. That, and, and Give it to me. And we define religion these two ways in this online course, Bun B and I teach. We define religion two ways. First, we understand that religion is constituted for most folks around traditions like Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, that those things constitute religion, yeah, with their doctrines, their creeds, their practices, their ritual structures, that's one way to find religion. But we argue mm-hmm. there's another way to, find, to define religion, that religion at its core is a binding together. That is to say that religion at its core is simply the effort of humans to wrestle with the absurdity of life and to invest their life with meaning. Religion is simply a structure for wrestling with the profound questions of our existence. Who are we? What are we? Where are we? Why are we? When are we? 
Right so this is where you would say, this, so so that leads uh, that, that's a great segue into to to where we got to take this conversation. So that's where you would say, from from that definition, where uh, uh, a genre such as hip hop is actually a religion. Exactly, we're on the same page now. I would argue okay okay with that second definition, hip hop culture can qualify as a religious orientation. In the same way that, based on that second definition, humanism can function as a religion. So, for for your for, for from your perspective, religion has nothing to do with a higher power. So, there, so there is no because I, I can I can see people now listening to the program and they're saying, well, he's saying religion because as soon as we talk religion, we think of a higher power, right? A a greater being, a source. But that's one way you're saying, right, that's one way, but you're saying so, so that, you know, no one thinks that there's some, some sort of um, uh, contradiction here. In your definition, you're saying that binding together, that, um, that, that mono, almost a monolithic thought process that, can, can make, uh, can, can be considered a religion. That, yeah, that any, any system that is about the business of helping people make life meaningful can qualify as a religious system. And it doesn't have to have gods or gods. But on that score, there are modes of Buddhism that are without divine beings. And who would argue Buddhism isn't a religion? Well, I think you take, uh, I mean, you know, you, you take these fundamentalist Christians that, that would say that Buddhism is not necessarily a religion, per se. Well, but right? if you step outside, you, but if you, if you step outside the framework of that small group of, of radical Christians who can't understand anything outside of their own way of thinking and doing as being valuable, yeah. But in terms of a larger conversation, in terms of a larger framework, in terms of the larger gathering of Christians, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. Buddha, Buddhism is certainly a religion. It may not be theirs, right. but it's a religion. All so so what say, is your experience, Professor, with what, – what, what has your experience been? I mean, did you grow up in the a Christian tradition? <laughs> yeah, man, uh, I – I, so, I so, talk, so talk to us about that. I, I grew up in Buffalo, New York. We started out as Baptists, moved to an independent church, and that church eventually affiliated with the African Methodist Episcopal denomination. I started okay. preaching when I was a preteen, and I preached until I was about 25 years old. So I know something about the church. Both in okay, and what, and ha what, what happened at 25? What, what happened at 25 to, to make you have such a, a, a turn? Because if you were teach, if you were preaching as a preteen, now at, up until twenty five, I mean, you, you know, you had some Holy Ghost filled moments, and now all of a sudden, you, you put a halt to that, and now you made that turnaround. What 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 happened? It, it did not work. It it became clear to me that what Christianity and by extension, theism offered, did not make a real difference in the lives of people who were suffering, that it taught them to be content with their suffering, no cross, no crown, taught them to be content with their suffering, but didn't really help them wrestle with the fundamental questions that influence and inform 
their movement through the world. And so it reached a point for me where I had to make a decision. Was I about the business of protecting this tradition or was I about the, was I about the business of trying to do something in the world that made a difference? And I decided I needed to be about the business of trying to make a difference in the world. So I cut Christianity loose and, by extension, cut theism loose. So in your mind, there's no, no heaven, no hell. When you die, no. you go humanist, believe, you just you get reincarnated. Like, what, what, is no, the, man. what is the thought process? What happens? Humanists believe when this body, this biochemical reality that is born, right. lives, and then dies, comes to the mm -hmm. last moment of death, that's it. We only live in the memories of people who loved and hated us. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there's no heaven, there's no hell. It. There's no reincarnation. You get this one life to try to do it right. And that's it. That's it. That's it. So, so that's it. That's let's, it. Let's, let's jump back to, to, to the hip-hop for a second because I'm, I'm intrigued when you say, you know, you, you define the religion as anything that is basically helpful. And I'm putting it in layman's terms, right? Basically helpful, uplifting um, to mankind. How, well, how do I would, you... I wouldn't, well, let's correct that a little bit. That okay, all right, say, right, correct it. I wouldn't say that religion is of necessity helpful, right, that I would not define religion simply in, in positive terms. I would say okay. it's an effort to make life meaningful. But now okay. folks doing okay. that can do that at the expense of others. That's why racists could still be Christian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So okay. it's an effort to invest life with meaning to take okay. moments of human experience and give them a kind of robust significance that gives life a reason, a logic. And that can happen at the expense of other groups. That's why black churches right. can be sexist and homophobic. Gotcha. So, so because, I, you know, the reason why I was going there is because when we talk about hip-hop and you look at the misogyny or you look at yeah. – um, you know the, the the violence with with some aspects of it, right? I mean that that seems to have dominated the popular culture. Okay, that's not all of hip hop because hip hop is a is a culture, and and but rap music being the predominant, you know, uh, um, genre within hip hop. Yeah. And and what's promoted is that you know a lot of violence, a lot of misogyny, and and to a, a large extent. Um, homophobic attitudes and, and so on and so forth. So when we were talking about that as a religion, I'm glad you clarified that you're not just saying this in positive, you know, it, religion is not just in a, in a positive terms because, no. you know, I, I was going to try to see how we can align those two things um, and, and how you do that because I know you work with Bun B, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, yeah. This, this is my thing. That I, I, I definitely agree with you that hip-hop culture includes rap music, but it's bigger than rap music, right? So we've right. got to start with right. that basic understanding. It's bigger than rap music. But rap right. music receives the media attention, yeah? So my, my right. argument is this, that rap music describes the world. If you want rappers to describe the world differently, give them a different world. But rap music, hip-hop culture, did not create radical consumerism, it didn't create capitalism, it didn't create homophobia and sexism and misogynistic attitudes, it didn't create these, 
it mimics the world it was given. So we yeah, I would, I would take, uh, but, but professor, I would take, I would take exception to that to a certain extent, because I believe a lot of people at this point have sold out for the materialism, because it, it, it's it's no longer just when you have when you have young men in particular that come from middle class homes are well educated that come across and that are playing a role where they're a thug, where they've killed a million people, or they have uh, sold, you know, been the biggest drug dealer in the world, and they would never throw a rock in a riot, only on a record. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I'm not so sure if they're always giving us, like, the original mission of hip-hop, you know, was to, to, to show the reflection of society. I, I, don't, I don't believe they do that. But, that, that but that's not what I said. My, what okay. I'm saying is they describe a world and they celebrate the American dream. They didn't create the American dream, but they celebrate it. And the American dream is all about acquisition, right? It's all about a kind of radical individualism. And they mirror and play off of that. Again, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean we don't mm-hmm. critique it. We critique it, right. but we recognize that we have to critique it within context and not critique it in a way that suggests they created this problem as opposed to them carrying on this problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see They're the gotcha. distinction I'm trying to make? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I see where you're coming down. I, I definitely see where you're coming down with it. And I mean, you know, that, that, that makes sense. But I, I think sometimes, and I just want to make sure that we're not, um, you know, we're, we're not letting people off the hook for particularly these people that are, are phonies and fakers. You know what I'm saying? You have the opportunity to work oh, yeah. with a Bun B who is well yeah. respected, and you know, and yeah. and you know the reason why he's well respected is because he's real. Yeah, he's real, and and he'll tell, yeah. and, and yeah. you know, yeah. from and from everything that I've seen, Professor, he will say, "Hey, this is where I was at, but this is the knowledge that I've gained at this point, and this is where I'm going." Right, and this is where I'm trying to take people to. That, yeah. That's what I. No, we're not, yeah, yeah. We're not disagreeing. I'm simply saying yeah. the critique has to be contextualized. That is to say, right. the critique of right. materialism and consumerism in hip hop has to be tied to a critique of American consumerism. Right. That's right. all I'm saying. Right. I'm with you. I'm and with they, you. No, no doubt. Right. So yeah. So so we're in agreement on that point. Absolutely, Definitely. absolutely. Definitely. Before before I let you go, because time is running out, and I know your time is short, I, I, tell me, give give us your take on how you feel like um, black people are being depicted on TV. You know, Empire, the show Empire is yeah. hugely popular. You got Blackish, you got Empire. I mean, you got you got some shows. What, what's your thoughts on the way we're being depicted on TV today? I, I think the depiction depiction is flat and one dimensional. It doesn't, the depictions don't demonstrate the complex relationship we have to the American dream. It's flat, and it allows folks who buy the status quo to be comfortable. They can look at these Help me understand when you say it's flat. When you say it's flat, help me understand what you mean when you say it's flat. I mean, it only depicts us having one type of relationship to the American dream. That there's no, so for example, with Empire, there's no... There's no complexity there. There's no deep and troubled relationship to consumerism, right? 
and to the capitalist system. No mm. critique, no internal turmoil over that. And Blackish is just the new Cosby show that, again, depicts life for black folks in rather narrow and comfortable ways. No complexity, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What show, what, and, is, is there any show out there that you think is a better depiction than those, those two in particular? Or have we I'm just waiting. not even hit it yet? I'm waiting for it. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe next season. Maybe, maybe, maybe next, next season. season. <laughs> maybe next season. Maybe next, next season in 2025, maybe. You never yeah. know. <laughs> and, and my, thing is, my thing is this, brother. My, my thing is this. That doesn't mean we should take Empire and Black as Shaw. It means we need right. more complex depictions. Right, so that empire right. blackish are are combined with depictions of black life that wrestle with some of these complexities, right? That wrestle with the right. complex ways in which black folks encounter the world. Right, right. We're not one dimensional. This community is exactly. not monolithic. That is to say, black folks just don't think one way. Right, right. I, I think that I think that's a fantastic uh, point, Professor. Let me let me let's do this. Can can you uh, can you tell people how they can read your work? I know you have books and and so on and so forth. Can can you uh, give your website address and any information for people to uh, you know follow you? Yes, please check me out. Be in touch with me. My website is anthonypin.com. You can follow me on Twitter. It's Anthony underscore Penn. And you should check out this course I'm teaching online with Bun B. It starts March 24th. It's free. You heard me. It's free. All you have to do is go to edx.org and search for religion and hip-hop culture. A couple of clicks, and you're registered for the free course. Fantastic. Well, listen, I want to say thank you for a great conversation. Thank you for being here this evening. I definitely got to... uh, has you back because it went really, really quick, man. It was, it was yeah. quick. You know, Anytime. but 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 I, oh, that's that's perfect. I, you you shouldn't have said that because I'm gonna take you up on it. But <laughs> but thanks a lot, everybody. Okay, sounds good. Hold the line for Chester, please, Professor. He wants to talk to you real quick. Everybody, that's Professor Anthony Penn. Like I told you, brilliant brother. You knew what it was going down. When he came on, great conversation. Appreciate him being here. Appreciate you guys being here every Thursday with us on Hip Politics. If you've got a show idea, uh, questions, comments, you can always follow us on Twitter. Give us a like on Facebook. You guys know H-I-P-O-L-I-T-I-X. Just check us out. And uh, every week we're here. We're going to put it down. We're going to, you know, we're going to challenge the status quo, right? And um, that's what we do. I'm Mark Jarrell, the politician. I want to say thanks to my man Chester, number one producer in the biz. Appreciate his work and always bringing the great guests. And uh, like I say, everybody, never settle for the status quo. Keep reaching for the sky. That's what hip politics is all about. Until next week, people, peace and love. <laughs>